You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. You've been too long upon this mountain. It's time you journey to the sea. Sometimes the trust in your false comfort is easier than trusting me. Hey everybody, it is Randy Bolander on the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. I hope you have your coffee poured. Got a lot of ground to cover today. You're not going to make it without caffeine, I'm telling you. Listening to Jason Upton this morning, one of my favorites as a writer, as a musician, uh, just as a man. He is he's phenomenal. Longtime friend of ours. We brought him in to do the Zoe's House Gala, let me think, uh, 2018? at Union Station in Kansas City, and it was so good. It was just so good to hear his story and to listen to him. We're bringing him back this fall. We haven't got everything uh, finalized yet, so this is just between you and me. Don't tell anybody. But our hope is to bring him back for a worship event uh, and just spend time together this fall. Looking forward to it. Jason Upton. We had a big day this morning. It was Donuts with Dad Day at Scouts Preschool. Of course, when Dad's fasting, that becomes Donuts and Dad, which isn't as fun as Donuts with Dad, but it was a good time. We had a lot of fun, Uh, spent the first hour of, of the day there with him, seeing what he does, and man, it's just fun to see your kid's world. If they go away to school or preschool, to go and visit and see the things they're talking about and the other kids that they talk about, we just, we had a lot of fun. But it is a season of fasting, and uh, as you know, gathering with friends all of these Sundays through this 40-day fast, just to talk about what the Lord is showing us, to pray together, to worship together, to study the Scripture. It has been a lot of fun. It's been very encouraging. And uh, during this season on the podcast, I've kind of suspended the other content, and we're just going to talk through what we are learning in those meetings, what we are discovering. And uh, one of the things we talked about this week was this fast that we are in. It is not about piety. It is not about making ourselves holy uh, in order to attract attention from God. That's not it. Sometimes, especially during the Lent season, it feels like fasting is giving something up to be a good person. You know, I'm just going to do this and it'll make me better. I saw a headline on the Babylon Bee last week that says something to the effect of, man gives up habit for Lent that he should probably have quit doing long time ago. Just made me laugh. Because that's how we think about fasting, is giving up something that, that's not good for us. And that's not the case at all. We are not becoming more holy or better through fasting, uh, but God is working on our heart. And in doing that, it opens a supernatural realm to us. Uh, I'm going to look at Daniel chapter 2 for a minute. And um, Everybody kind of knows this story. There are young men that have been taken from uh, Israel, and they have been hauled off to Babylon. The intelligentsia, the intelligent, the leaders, the upper crust. Very few people left back in, in Jerusalem, mostly just the poor and the downtrodden. Everyone that they thought would be of some sort of value by their measurements, they took back to Babylon. And so here these guys are, and they are, they're already moral, okay? They're already godly, but they choose to fast. They choose to limit themselves to water and vegetables for a season. And in doing that, 
a supernatural realm really open to them. There is something that goes beyond your talent and your quiet time, okay? It's an anointing from God and is different than knowledge that is learned by study. Now, is it extra biblical? No, not at all. It's, it's all biblical. It all works together. But there's something unlocked in fasting that does not come from just cracking the books open. And in this fasting context, the king of Babylon has a dream, and Daniel is brought in in chapter 2 to interpret the dream. Now, just so you understand the stakes here, the last guys who failed to interpret it correctly were killed. All right, His dream interpreters, the king's dream interpreters, were not graded on a curve. This is like a pass-fail exam, and you do not want to fail. And in this context, Daniel says he can interpret the dream. Then he goes back to his living arrangements, and he prays to God. And as he prays in chapter 2, it reveals some of the wisdom that Daniel had received in his life of prayer and fasting. Daniel 2, 21 and 22. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. So in this season, Daniel prays about change. Now understand, none of this has happened yet to the king, but he is leaning into this prayer. It is a lie to believe that your situation or the situation of leaders will never change. Bob Sorge commented last week on social media that in the case of Joseph, his entire life shifted because of a dream God gave somebody else. Think about that. The thing that is going to change the circumstances of your life may have been given to somebody else in a dream last night. And much of the effort of these weeks of fasting is going for us towards determining the times and the seasons of each of our lives, of those that are gathering together. And it's important because the seasons of life that we go through determine whether God is asking us as individuals to move forward or to remain in place or to take risks or to protect the ones that we love. There are times and seasons for all of these things. Seasons change and what worked last time probably won't work next time. Some people are already concerned. Do I really need to be that concerned with the season that I'm in? Do I have to think about this? Can I just not live life as it comes? Can I just read a couple of chapters of the Bible, watch the news, and respond to that? Well, the problem is that's called passivity, and it doesn't serve us well as we raise our families or try and sharpen our spirits. It does not work well to live our lives in reaction, unaware of what is coming. Jesus had really strong words for those who failed to consider the season of life they were in. Because it shows a lack of concern about his plan. It reveals this lack of curiosity and is careless. Luke 12, 54-56. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites... You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. 
So Jesus encouraged people to consider the times and the seasons that they lived in. And as a group, as we're praying, we sense that we're in a season where it is very important to tune our ear to the Lord as individuals, as families, but also corporately as the church in America. You know, as the church, we have no idea how far we are from a crisis that will deserve a response from us. And honestly, the church can't afford another ham-fisted response to a national crisis. I remember when September 11th, 2001 came around, it was like dueling prophetic words from the church. On one side, you had the guy insisting, America is being judged. On the other hand, you had people saying that Jesus was coming back on an F-16 to declare war. The church had little clarity, and because it had little clarity in that season, it gave the world little comfort. Even a year after September 11th, the emotions were so raw. I remember I was on staff at a large church, and I wanted to do uh, kind of a one-year anniversary memorial service. And I had a bunch of the other fellow pastors and other leaders say, do you think people even are thinking about this? I said, yeah, I think they're thinking about it, and I think they're looking to us. We announced it about 10 days in advance. We had 2,500 people show up because people in a time of crisis or an interpreting crisis are looking to the church for answers. Now, it's kind of strange. I'm seeing shades of the same thing with the increase of reports of the coronavirus, the same bipolar response from the church. On one hand, we have folks quoting the verse about handling snakes and what can possibly touch us and that there's nothing at all to be concerned about. On the other hand, people are selling versions of essential oils that will just they say will destroy the black peg, plague. We've got to understand the times that we're living in so we can speak with sense towards crisis, with the authority of the Scripture and the understanding of God. We can say, okay, well, what do we do based on what we know about this? First of all, this is what I would encourage you to do, is I would encourage you to pray Psalm 91 over your family. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It goes on to talk about the Lord as our refuge and our fortress, that He will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. And He'll cover, what, cover us under His wings, we'll find refuge. Pray that over your family. Declare that truth of Psalm 91. Also, I would guard against fear. Fear is a terrible decision maker, and you will make awful decisions out of fear. I would also just encourage you to use common sense. You know, buy a little more than you need for the times when you might not be able to find any of what you're looking for. But most of all, and especially through this fast, tune your ear to what God is speaking to you in the moment, because God is using moments like this to prepare us for our moments. Our moment to come might be a moment of crisis, might be a moment of glory, but our response is supposed to be the same, humility. And if we don't use this season to get ready, that season is going to catch us unaware. So going back to what Daniel prays there for a moment and considering the times, he prays that God changes the times and the seasons. One of the things we talked about Sunday morning was to be ready for a shift because when times and seasons change, if we're holding too tightly to the way things are, it's going to be torn from our grip 
and that hurts. And in some cases, good people will not be able to withstand a shift in seasons because they've grown too comfortable with the season that they are in. I want to be a person of prayer and fasting because when God zigs, I don't want to zag. I don't want to go the other direction. We know change is coming. Why would we not prepare our hearts for it, no matter what it looks like? You know, I've told this story before, but one of my pet peeves is when I get off an airplane or I'm trying to get off an airplane and there's always that guy ahead of you or 10 people ahead of you who walks up the jetway, takes one step into the airport and stops like he just stepped through the wardrobe into Narnia. He just stops and looks around. Even though in no airport in America, when you get off the plane, is that your final destination? You know you have to go somewhere. You've got to go get your bag. You've got to find your car. But there are these people just, as soon as there's this change, I'm not on a plane. I'm on the ground. They have to stop and look. Don't be one of those believers that in times of change has to stop and take 10 minutes to adjust to the idea that things have changed. We know things are changing. God is going somewhere. History is changing. Daniel said, he changes the times and the seasons. He also talks about the fact that he removes kings and sets up kings. He speaks to power structures and he removes them or he empowers them. God is never intimidated by who's in charge because he either put them there or he allowed it. I'm watching people in a complete tizzy about the elections. I'm not. It's not because I don't have opinions or I don't have concerns. It's just because I'm not an atheist. To believe in God is to believe that he is at work and in control. Now, do we believe in being politically active? Absolutely. Do we believe in voting? Absolutely. But we also believe that our help comes from God, not political alliances. And God removes and sets up kings. Daniel continues to pray there, and he says, He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. God gives wisdom and reveals deep and hidden things. You can know more in a moment when you're pursuing God wholeheartedly than you can after a lifetime of study. It can come in a dream, it can come in an impression, or it can come when someone lowers their guard and tells you something unexpectedly. But in these times of prayer and fasting, it can come in a moment like it did to Daniel, if we look for it. In this season of prayer and fasting, we're asking for wisdom and revelation of deep and hidden things. Again, not extra biblical ideas or weird ideas. I'm talking about a word to us, for us, so that when we shift into the next season, we don't stand there like we just stepped off the airplane and didn't know this was going to happen. We have set aside these 40 days because we may not know what is coming, but we do know that normal has outlived its usefulness, okay? It's not working anymore. And we have added fasting to our prayer time because fasting says a lot about our appetite. As we fast, it is normal to wrestle through waves of hunger. It's just normal. And sometimes it's comical what we fixate on. The first long fast that we did, about three days before we had the fast, Kelsey made this hamburger soup, and it was incredibly good. I love meat, and it was just, it was the best soup. And through that fast, I'm not exaggerating, I thought about that soup every day. I could envision it in 4K video, and 4K screens weren't even available then. 
and she had made it one time. I actually had some fear during the fast that when the fast was over, it would not be as good as I remembered. Like it, I was so fixated with this. Fasting does funny things to our appetite, but we do it because we are pursuing what we believe is of greater value. Now, would it have been a sin to have a bowl of soup? No, it wouldn't have been a sin. And when this fast is over, we're going to celebrate. We're going to eat. It's not that the eating is a sin. But I choose to fast right now because I have other appetites that my abilities cannot provide for. I have a deep hunger for things that I'm never going to find in my cupboard. And I've got cravings that I can't fulfill on my own. I've got a hunger to see God move that I can't contrive or cause to happen. I have, in a spiritual sense, what my dad used to joke about when he said that some people had a champagne taste on a beer budget. I have wants that I cannot afford in the spiritual sense or that I cannot access on my own. And I am fasting to provide for those spiritual wants. When you want what you can't afford in the natural, it manifests itself in comparison, which always leads to lack or debt. You want something, you can't afford it, you go borrow the money, then you're in debt. Debt is worse than lack. Neither one are fun. But when you can't provide for material things, it always leads to comparison in debt. When you realize you have an appetite spiritually for things you can't provide, it leads to reliance on God. We realize that we owe everything to the one that can fill the appetite of our soul. And when people who don't know that get hungry and find out about him, they'll do anything to get to him. I had hoped to interview Daniel Grentz for a few minutes on the podcast today. He was with us on Sunday. We talked about this. He told this story about these guys with this tremendous appetite. He was traveling uh, a couple weeks ago and was in the Middle East. And I don't even know if I can tell you where he was, so I won't. Maybe we'll have him on later and he'll tell all the details. But these couple of young kids from a Muslim family confessed their faith in Jesus, surrendered their lives to Jesus, and they wanted to get baptized immediately, except their immediately was after their friend got off work. And then it was after they, finally they end up baptizing them at a hot spring at like three o'clock in the morning because they were so hungry for the Lord that they didn't want to go to sleep without having been obedient in baptism. That kind of hunger pays huge dividends towards your spiritual wants and desires. Psalm 81 says that if we open our mouth, he will fill it. God promised his faithful people, if they would have faith in anticipation of his provision, God would provide. If we bring the hungry, he'll bring the meal. Now, the reverse is also implied. God would not fill the closed mouth, the one with no faith or anticipation. Do you ever wonder how much of our spiritual lack comes from a lack of hunger? Maybe we're honestly receiving from the Lord what we're asking for. I want to ask for more than I've ever asked before because I want to receive more than I've ever received from Him. Charles Spurgeon made the comment that our cup is small, so we blame the fountain. Our ability to receive him is tiny. Our mouth is not open very wide, so we only get so much. I don't want to get to the end of my days and realize that my small vision of God was related to my small appetite for him. Prayer and fasting helps us bring a bigger cup to the fountain. 
Isaiah 55 tells us, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. We come to the fountain with anticipation, fasting because it increases our appetite and more than anything, we want him to fill us. Hope you're doing well during the season of fasting. I hope you're joining us in some respect. If you're in the Kansas City area, shoot me an email. We're gathering for prayer just during this season of fasting to be together with friends. We would love to have you with us. Have a great day. Every mountain high And every valley that I love